0: Two, three.
1: Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I am your host, uh, Scott Needham. I am an Amazon seller. And today I have an announcement. The many uh, things that I have done in Amazon land, uh, this is actually, you know, one I've never done before. It, this last week I bought another Amazon business and I still think it sounds weird when I say that, like that we actually went through with it. It takes a lot of time and effort. And so I actually have with me on this podcast to talk about um, why we did this and like what things we considered, because it is a super interesting space. I brought the two people that helped us do this. I've got uh, Colin Kent and Josh Robbins from the Primera Group. And that's uh, what they do is they help people to buy and sell Amazon businesses. So um, welcome.
0: Thank you. Thanks Good
1: to here. We got a plenty to jump into, but, you know, first I got to explain to you, like, what is the business? The business I bought is a, an Amazon private label business. One of their brands that we uh, latched onto is called Upstreet. They sell, you know, sporting goods and actually a variety of products. And many of them have done so well. And that's really, uh, we'll, we'll talk into a few reasons why like the business was valued the way it was but um, it was very diverse. They had 75 products that are still just very profitable and, and doing very well. And four years ago, none of these products existed. They started it from scratch. And Actually, the person that I bought the business from has been on this podcast. It is my cousin Chase. He I had him on the show uh, six or seven months ago. And we talked about, you know, his China sourcing experience. And the thing is, is he had a different business opportunity that he was chasing. And he was looking to sell his business. And so there was an opportunity for us. I don't think I'm actually trying to change my day job too much. It was the profitability of our selling, you know, our retailing on Amazon uh buy boxer success. That allowed us to do this and to buy another business. So I'm not, uh, you know, trying to change up what I'm doing very much, but actually taking what I know and rolling that into a new business. So let me introduce Colin and Josh. They uh, have actually, uh, you know, been selling uh, or are helping people sell a few e-commerce businesses already, but have started their their own. Um, outfit just specifically for this niche of Amazon FBA businesses. and actually Josh himself uh, worked for Amazon. We got plenty to cover and I've probably already like steamrolled over three or four of the ideas. So tell me know um, when you first saw this upstream you know and you started talking to Chase like well, what's the story? How did this play out from your guys's end?
2: Yeah, this is Colin. I'll take that first. But uh, so it came as a referral. That's, that's how most of our business comes to us is just through uh, our network and hopefully through having a successful outcome uh, with our clients. But so it came through a referral. And um, as we looked at the business, though, as you know, Scott, it, it was basically three different unique brands with a bunch of random products within those brands some of them had a strategy as far as the things that they were selling and doing, and some of them didn't. Some of them were just products that kind of took off and, and they decided to stick with it. So um, for us, it was, it was kind of aggregating all the data that existed across several Amazon marketplaces and uh, different seller accounts. And uh, But yeah, it was a unique business that was fairly risk averse just because how differentiated the brands and the unique SKUs were.
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, when you're in sporting goods and in kitchen, those are completely unrelated. And so we're less worried about if one product completely failed, say a competitor comes in and just like dominates, it's really not that big of a deal. Uh, there, this is diverse and, uh, uh, with 75 different winners with with room for growth and uh, you know that's kind of what we saw is like yeah because we know amazon um, there's some low-hanging fruit uh, things that chase didn't know how to do himself and and that we do and so we're able to like you know do things on a budget actually because uh, we already do so much of this How did you guys help, you know, Chase figure out the value of his business? Like how, how did you price it and what are the considerations there? That one was, was interesting because Chase had a
0: business that he had started. He had merged with a company that his brother had started. That was in two different separate seller central accounts. And so what we had to do was we had to go through and make sure that all the information was being aggregated as a whole pulling data out of any one system would leave something out. And he also had international sales, which uh, again was another layer that needed to be incorporated into the price. And so a lot of the work that we did up front was trying to make sure that we had all of the revenue accounted for out of each seller central account. We'd make sure that we looked at every individual SKU and make sure that was rolling up. And there's one other wrinkle that we'll, we'll talk about right now, which is there was one skew in there that technically, he didn't own that. He was selling on behalf of someone else, and so we had to go through and identify all these things. That what really was he selling? What were the revenue streams coming from those products? And then, if we were to add those all up, how much does he need to spend to have that business run? Would that be marketing, uh, overhead, whatever it may be? And so, it took quite a bit of time, in all honesty, to get all of that buttoned up and say, okay, this is the complete big picture. Once we had that big picture. We could go down and say okay this is actually how much profit this business generates when you add in everything together but then you subtract out things that aren't being sold and then that's where we got that final you know EBITDA which stands for earnings before interest taxes uh, amortization depreciation
1: <clears> yeah and and to complement uh chase like you know he started this in 2016 and he already started getting to you know uh, multiple seven figures in revenue Uh, across uh, these products and actually like these different seller accounts, he was a a, kind of a, a mini aggregator himself. He actually bought three or four small businesses himself, rolled them into his own business and then was able to, you know, put it together as a better opportunity and people that have listened to every show know that like, um, I actually had Thrasio on this podcast where they are a very large aggregator. There's a few of them that are, that are out there just really buying up a lot of businesses. And because um, of the value and the predictability of... Amazon FBA, it's low overhead. It scales well. Has all these things, and so that definitely did influence my decision process. Knowing about this, and you know, helped me and Chase because uh, even before he he approached you guys, um, you know, he talked to me about it, and I was like, "Well, you got to get it priced, you know, independently." And so there's a lot of work to get to get into that, and things that people could be doing now uh, to increase the value of their own business. What should people be thinking about now? Like if say, say they're going to sell in five years, like what, what do you worry about now? Like what keeps things clean?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We'll hit on a few of those things. Maybe just going back real quick though. But when we, when we engage with Chase, first we were worried that that you were looking for like the cousin sweetheart deal, right? <laughs> we didn't know what the actual price expectations were on your side. And so I think that's pretty wise approach that you took for, for him to get an independent Valuation. You know, we had to go back several times. It was like he'd find a couple hundred K of sales under a couch cushion that we're hiding in like an Amazon marketplace he forgot about. It's like, oh yeah, that, that's that's going to impact the value of the business. So we went through that a few times. We tracked sales growth year over year, you know, what they had done during COVID with some of those products. And that all kind of factored in. We can we'll talk about the price point before we finish here and kind of you know a multiple and how that how that weighed in. But Chase had done a bunch of the things that we recommend. Um, you know, as a follow-up here, I, I think it's always helpful when I'm listening to a podcast if there is some sort of takeaway. We have um, a 15-point system that we use internally and we've tried to simplify that into one digestible document for you know, your listeners to be able to understand the things they should be doing now to maximize the valuation that they're going to get out yeah. the, the back end.
1: And, and I bet you anything those things you know on the list, like... Yeah, they they uh, will help you sell better, but they actually probably reduce the risk in your own business. You know, where you can see things coming through, things from having like you know good accounting to uh, good you know legal protection, uh, like you know brands registered, uh, those types of things increase the value of your selling business, but also they protect you now. So, do you guys have that on your website, or how uh, can people get a hold of your? yeah, put,
2: yeah it, we'll we'll uh, put it up on the website so you can link to it but they can just email contact at premiergroup.com and we'll just email it to them as well but yeah the, the sorts oh, of things God. that you're talking about are those are those points right chase had a really good system set up in china with contacts with manufacturing a way to source new products to ensure the quality of those products and those are things that that your listeners absolutely should be thinking about right if you just go and source something and you're not sure you just Order two samples, throw the first one up there, and say, "Let's go make a hundred of these and see how it works." They were thinking about patents, right? They they had a couple patents on products that actually protected a category. They they still have some protection with a few products, as you know about, that that make them one of only two sellers that can can, can sell that product. So things like that definitely bolster the strength of the brand. And then they just show a potential buyer that you know what you're doing and that you're thinking through some of those details. You're not taking shortcuts. So you know, if we were to rank an account in terms of strength, you know, from one to 10, um, they were definitely like a nine or a 10 type of account just because they were they were playing the long game. They didn't take a bunch of shortcuts on the way there.
0: Yeah. And right. adding on to that, they had spent a bunch of time figuring out some sales tax, um, you know, really kind of going through and making sure that, that account was really buttoned up. They were uh, legally compliant with everything needed to be. And that really does uh, do a lot for the for the brand. And, and the last thing I'll say is the, the whole premise behind all this, and you've already alluded to this, Scott, is that the value of a business goes up when the risk of owning it goes down. And so the more that you can put in place to reduce the risk of ownership, patents to protect the brand, uh, you've got all your legal documents in a row, you've got really good financials, that those things make the risk of ownership go down. And so when uh, potential acquirers are looking to buy your business, they can see that, hey, this isn't a risky deal. I'm willing to pay a little bit more.
1: Right. Add on to that, like, you know, you got to start asking questions like, okay, are these products, you know, they were successfully launched on Amazon. Um, do they, were they ever shut down? Why? Did they farm out reviews? Are they any of these, like, you know, in, these incentivized reviews? And I know for years that he was so scared of seller performance, he wouldn't touch stuff like that. And that gave me more confidence of like, yeah, these products are, you know, they're good reviews. They're, they're good products. This account like has just much less risk associated with it. It's not the end of the world to be shut down, but you kind of want to ask why and, and, and how, you know, did you get back up? So when you guys priced things out, they ended up somewhere around like a three X multiple, maybe a little bit higher. Um, you guys actually shopped out multiple buyers. And that was kind of scary for us, but it was also like a pretty important thing that, you know, we got it independently valued, you know, that others were really willing to go to the distance for uh, this brand. So tell us a little bit more about that. Like when, you know, you're looking for additional bids on a business, um, what happens?
2: Yeah, I think, um, so yeah, there were were three other uh, buyers at the table, we'll say, right? And one of them uh, would fall into the bucket of, of a large aggregator. One of them would fall into a bucket of a, a private equity group doing a roll-up strategy with specific Amazon brands. We can talk about that. Maybe that's maybe that's another show for you, but you know, it's, they were executing on a specific strategy. And then another one was just more of a uh, individual investor, we'll call them. So from our standpoint, we're trying, as Josh said, like there's the direct equation, this risk value equation, and we're trying to make sure that we present the seller valid options, which does it it also confirms the price, but it, it mainly it gives them confidence that once they've asked questions to potential buyers, they know which buyer is most likely to execute, right? We don't want to just accept the highest dollar amount with someone who's going to waste 45 days of their time doing due diligence. We want to actually move forward with, the one for the seller that presents fair value and minimal risk as well. You know, you knowing about their account, uh, you definitely had the leg up, I think, on competition because you just didn't have as many questions to ask. And maybe you had more context for the questions you did ask. But the, the funny thing is, I don't even know if we've told you this, the the offer that they turned down and ultimately went with yours would have paid them more upfront. They would have gotten probably twice as much upfront, but... Um, there were other strings attached with that offer you know they would have had to have a different level of engagement potentially um, for you know six to 12 months to get the full amount that they would have wanted to get in their earnout so anyway it was it was a very uh, interesting set of details to what went into them accepting your offer and you know finding that you were kind of the the most secure and, and the fairest price at the end of the day
1: yeah, there there was a few days where I was like, I don't know if we're <laughs> gonna get this. I don't know if they like, if we're gonna get priced out. I didn't know if we would even get a second chance at like raising our price. And even if we'd be able to, we probably couldn't. Like, we we definitely had a ceiling uh, with all the ins and outs of cash flow in Q four. That that's actually, you know, it's kind of it's a, it's a great time to buy a business because um, we get the best two months of the year. Um, but it's kind of a bad time because, uh, we had a lot of, you know, this last month, a lot of other, uh, things trying to pull at our, uh, at our available cash. And so, I mean, ultimately we knew that if this got independently valued, we'd actually be able to sell the business if we had to, you know? So barring, I mean, like say that an emergency happens. And in this case, I'm probably the biggest risk, you know, with all the, some of the, the risks that I take and running and biking and doing whatever, I were to get hit by a bus that we could still sell the business again. And so as a buyer, like I really didn't, I mean, we, we keep talking about risk, but like that's at some point you, you can't put a dollar value to that. When we knew that we could sell the business or we could just like buy it, hold on to it, even if we just sustain its profitability, you know, we, we keep it at its current profit run rate, um, the business will buy, uh, pay for itself within just a few years.
2: I think it's yeah. worth mentioning, like how did you, what was the equation for you as you looked at buying the business? I think that's interesting to talk about because sometimes buyers don't know. Like someone's just thinking, look, I'm working a yeah. job right now, I make 100K. If I buy this business, I can get a loan and then I'll be making 250K because the business is spitting off X amount of dollars. But you guys had a real strategy that might be worth mentioning because i think that's it's pretty insightful that you you knew exactly how you wanted to execute
1: here's a few things we had actually started uh tinkering with like launching our own products um we have some puzzles lined up that we think there was an opportunity for uh uh the way that we wanted to market it so we had started down this track um but really came down to just high gross margin products we wanted to control the entire margin and not compete against other sellers and like uh, leave this land of 20% margin where we are at and start to go up to 30, 35, 40%. And we have resources. Like we uh, we could shift more resources into it. We had bandwidth. I have an operations team of, you know, about eight contributors. And to execute this business was not super taxing. It's going to be taxing up front. Like right now it's, uh, you know, and and transition is going to be a little bit tough, but, you know, when we get it to steady state, I know it's going to be very easy for us to manage. And then another thing is like, we've, I've learned a lot in the last 18 months of, lo- of this podcast, so much that I just have more confidence and like in a good advertising strategy and a good um, product optimization. I've seen so many products that I know what a good one looks like. And our agency is actually going to be, you know, we're going to be dipping in our own um, eating your own, dog our own food, bucket. So to speak. Yep. So this this entity upstream is actually going to be a paying client of our agency. And so knowing that we kind of have that, it is a flywheel effect that things, you know, benefit from each other. I'm looking to learn more. There's some there's some low hanging fruit. There's like, you know, I'd say 20% of the products can like we can flip a switch and just like improve it overnight and and that's what we are it's what we're working on right now my brother who uh, was definitely a part of this conversation a lot a lot of people know real estate you know see it as a business opportunity it's you know homes have, have a lot of value they can go up but real estate's actually pretty expensive it could take uh, 20 30 years to pay it off uh, whereas this business can, you can pay it off within three years. So real estate's definitely less risky, but we were kind of just seeing it as like, you know, rolling up, like, um, you know, our parents actually bought a lot of apartments and, you know, they would, they paid themselves over, you know, the course of years. Well, this is a, this is a, a e-commerce business that will pay for itself within a few years, three years. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's our goal. And that's kind of what went through our mind and we had a great year and we're, so we had uh, money ready. And if, uh, if you don't spend your money, you're not going to make money. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a few more factors, but that's mainly it.
2: Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I think it's just, you know, you knew like which listings needed to be optimized, right? You knew which ones could have maybe some improved images or videos added. And, and so I just think for potential sellers, that's something to think through. Right. And, and if you're a potential buyer as well, it's something to think through Um, just exactly where you can add value. Not just like, do I think the general Amazon ecosystem is going to keep growing X percent each year, but like, how can I actually influence what this business is going to do over the next few
1: years? Right. And like, there's a a trust uh, factor that like, you definitely want to create in any situation. And like, we already had the trust factor there. So it was a lot easier to uh, jump some of these hoops. And honestly, I think, you know, working with uh, people like you actually increased our trust. Like we just like, we already mentioned this once, but like having other bidders was extremely important for us.
2: You, you paid more money ultimately, right? You may have, you may have been able to buy it for a little bit less if you worked yeah. directly with him, but you, you feel like it was probably worth paying a little bit more just to go check every box.
1: The, the fact that we got other bidders to to pay for it means that no matter what happens, I can never blame uh, Chase, uh, my cousin, my family, uh, for however things turn out, and then vice versa. He can't feel like he that he gave too much of a sweetheart deal when he knew what he was like walking into. You know, working okay. with family can be like awesome, and there's a few things that you can do to make it. Uh, you know, enter a an actual business transaction. So those are, those are all the things that I was thinking and worrying about. The thing is, I don't want to like just talk about this podcast, uh, just about like what I did, but also to help the audience members consider this um, and understand the value of their own business. Or maybe um, now that you, if they figured out, I mean, if you listen to my podcast, you're, you're definitely an e-commerce professional, right? Um, Maybe that they would consider buying a business. So I actually had a, a question or two, I mean, because every uh, type of business buyer is a different level of sophistication. I, I actually think that the best buyers of an Amazon business were people that just really know the platform. They plan to execute it themselves or just like, no, they could see it. So if someone is going to be buying a business, like how much capital they need up front, if they're going to go for financing, what options are there? And like, is it different if you're using financing to buy a business versus like using financing to like, say, invest in your own business, if that makes sense.
2: I'll let Josh weigh in on some of the Amazon specific stuff, but I think, yeah, generally what people don't realize, and I, I kind of mentioned before, sometimes the, the equation is, look, I want to start something and you know, I'm not ready to give up my day job. Maybe it's just a side hustle. And so you can just, there's a way to get into it inexpensively, but you know, for someone looking to buy a business and replace their current income, you know, the equation is pretty simple. It's like, if you can put down at least 10% on the business, you can go get an SBA loan up to $5 million. You can, you're going to have to ask the seller to carry a note on some of that, but you know, it's, it's a pretty simple equation. You're financing the business over a period of time in that model, you're getting all your money back in year one, plus some, you know, you should, double your invested capital in year one, but we would argue that the upside is that you're buying something that's fairly stable and you kind of need to kick over some rocks and make sure that it's stable. And that's where we help, um, on, on both sides. We generally work sell side engagements, but, um, we have been retained by uh, the buy side as well, where they're looking to acquire a business. And it's just about educating yourself and asking really good questions because you can minimize the unknowns and minimize the risk. If you're, if you go through the process, I would say it doesn't hurt for someone to go through the process on a business just because they're going to learn something. And um, you know, if you're one of four potential buyers, you're going to do enough due diligence to, to be dangerous. Josh, what would you add?
0: Yeah. And I, and I agree with what you said, Scott, on the just having knowledge on the platform for an Amazon business. There's just so many intricacies uh, that go on in the platform, even just like getting tickets and getting help. Do you know how to get through and get Amazon to let you do what you're trying to do? It takes a little bit of learning uh, to be able to get good at that. And then, you know, doing the marketing, all that kind of stuff. So I think all that stuff really helps. I think if you don't currently have a business and you're listening to this podcast, I think Amazon is a great place to be successful, because there's so many buyers already on the platform, but absolutely, you're going to want to have uh, some level of of knowledge about how it works. And then getting back to what mm-hmm. Colin said, there, there's uh, a certain level of due diligence. And I'd say, Scott, you did a, a phenomenal job. You knew before you pulled the trigger on this business, you knew which skew, you know, you knew which asins you liked. You knew which ones had more uh, more opportunity than what was currently performing. You knew which ones had probably you know, hit their peak and we're at the yeah. tail end. And so the, and that, I, knew some of the,
1: I knew some of the weaker ones too. Yeah. And that was like, you know, I was like, Oh, this isn't great, but <laughs> on the whole, like it was definitely good enough all over, you know, cause there was so many uh, good products. Josh, so you actually worked for Amazon. And so you'd be the first person on the show that is a a former Amazon employee, if you're willing to indulge us, like what did you learn from uh, your time there that helped you get some insight into, you know, this uh, vast marketplace?
0: Yeah. So when I was at Amazon, I was a senior vendor manager. So for those who aren't aware, you know, you've got, basically I was the buyer on the one piece side.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: so I would work with vendors I would actually buy the products from them. Amazon would technically own the inventory. Amazon would control pricing, all that. Um, A phenomenal experience. As part of that, I think the biggest thing that I learned being within Amazon is how data should drive most of your decisions. And so you know, I would spend so much time looking at data. And internally at Amazon, we had a weekly business review. Every Tuesday, we would review exactly what you owned the previous week. In a big group meeting, we would... Uh, report out what went well, what did not well, what we want to spend time on going forward, that kind of stuff. And that really drove into me uh, a good way of kind of running an e-commerce store. And so post Amazon, I still look at things like that today and, and still ultimately think as you look at a business, whether you're running it, you're looking to buy it, you're looking to sell it, getting in and actually understanding the business by looking at the data, what sells, what doesn't, um, you know, what the customer behavior is with it. That is really valuable. And at Amazon, you can't work there without that just being beat into you all day, every day. And so I honestly, the biggest takeaway I got from there was that for sure.
1: Well, that's definitely something that, uh, the audience is, you know, very well, because you know, I'm actually a software developer. And so that's always the perspective that I've been throwing in is like, where is the data going to like lead to the most, uh, you know, success and uh what t- there I-, I talk a lot about tools that you can use that can uh, you know help you do that and so when i uh, say you're launching a product or buying a business like you can where to like source data that like helps confirm your uh intuition i think that you still need to be a uh, you need to sh- step in the shopper's shoes every once in a while like uh yep. but like when you need to confirm uh your suspicions, like you know, what kind of data are you going to be able to use? I mean, just the other day, like I was talking. Uh, this was yesterday. I was talking with a seller who was getting beat out by a competitor, and I was able to show him. Yeah, you're getting beat out all over the place. He's beating you in keywords, you know, across ten different uh, popular keywords, and he just he was he was like he's had no idea that there was like things out there to show that figuring out what data is out there and how to use it is definitely a good part, a big part of being an Amazon FBA professional. So that's way cool. And uh, it's, it's funny to think of how Amazon internally works in a lot of similar ways to Amazon sellers, because uh, that's what would lead to success. Well um, I'm actually going to be talking about this you know transaction for many months to come. It's a business that we're building and I have a tendency to talk about the business that I'm building. It's <laughs> probably one of the better ways to educate people so I'm hoping to like highlight on some of specific products that uh, they did well. Um, you know their first product was actually a pickleball paddle which has turned uh, very competitive and not necessarily a profit center for, um, Upstream anymore, and they pivoted so, uh, so very well a few times, and I'll talk about some of those and show off some 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 pretty cool products. One thing that I've learned um, in in this acquisition is is you don't even have to necessarily be an expert on any specific domain to create something very valuable. Um, because uh, my cousin Chase was able to bounce around a few different times, had some solid sourcing that uh, ensured the quality. He created a pipeline. He had 75 successful products. He actually launched about 200 to 250. So he saw, you know, a 33% success rate is pretty decent. I'm like super glad that like, you know, we kind of got this like proven flywheel effect and there's plenty to go over and... You know, thanks so much, Josh and Colin, bringing on your insight. And uh, there's actually, I, I know I have more to learn from you guys. Um, I wanted to at least, you know, shout out a little bit about what Colin was talking about, like the 15 point system to increase the value of your business. That is live at PrimeraGroup.com. Did we did we cover everything, or am I? Uh, I mean, we, we could probably talk for another hour or so. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no I, I think that you know generally hopefully it's it's helpful to others but um you know we're we'll be pretty, pretty transparent um you know from a mergers and acquisitions perspective you know we're confident you know, with with our experience uh, both of us having bought and sold businesses in e-commerce Josh's time at Amazon I'm happy to to lend an ear you know sometimes we do short-term consulting engagements but you know, I think if if I'm a seller you know listening to your podcast you always want to have an end in mind right? So like whatever that goal is of where you're trying to get, um, you can do really tactical things day by day to help you get there and to just get you one step closer. If you want to sell your business for a million dollars and that's your goal, great. If you want to get it to 10 million in revenue and sell it for 15 to 20 at some point, great. But it's, it's about defining those things upfront and then managing to those expectations. So, you know, I, I would say from an Amazon perspective, if you haven't had anyone from Amazon on before, you know, we're happy to do a session and, and chat with anyone individually and just provide some help and perspective wherever we can.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. That should wrap up this episode. And as I said, I'm going to keep talking about it. This is, this is not uh, going away soon and kind of a cool episode where I get to like kind of announce, uh, you know, how uh, this Arena shakes up quite a bit. A lot of businesses being bought and sold, and I couldn't sit by on the sidelines without it. And how much value um, Josh and Colin actually gave me and uh, peace of mind. I'm going to stay friends with my cousin no matter what happens. Like, it's the little things that can eat at you over the course of years that uh, you know they they helped me out with. So. Thank you very much. And thanks for jumping on the show, being willing to talk more about it and in depth. And uh, make sure you uh, check in for the the upcoming podcast. Got a lot of great episodes uh, lined up. And take care. One, two, three.